Patients looking for the holy grail for cognitive improvement have been using ginkgo biloba for many years to the tune of over a billion dollars per year. What is the data to support this use? Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm Dr. Leslie Lunt, your host, and with me today is Dr. Jeffrey Kay. Dr. Kay is Professor of Neurology and Biomedical Engineering at Oregon Health and Science University. He also directs the Leighton Aging and Alzheimer's Disease Center at Oregon Health and Science University, as well as being the Director of Geriatric Neurology at the Portland VA Medical Center. One more job he has is to direct the Oregon Center for Aging and Technology. Welcome to ReachMD, Dr. K. Thank you very much. You're a busy guy. I enjoy what I do. <laughs> That's great. Now, tell us about ginkgo biloba. Why has it been used over the years to help cognition? Well, I think there are a number of reasons. First of all, there are no really good treatments for Alzheimer's disease or dementias, and people are, in some ways, I think, a little bit desperate sometimes to find something that will help. I think there are a lot of people who fear getting dementia, and so uh, even uh, a lot of normal elderly will, or, or not even elderly people, baby boomers, will take supplements of various kinds in the hope that they would ward off dementia at some later date. So the lack of reasonable alternatives and everybody's afraid. I believe that's the reason that the public in general is taking these various compounds, in particular ginkgo. But I also think that there has been probably a little more scientific background to at least suggest that there might be some benefit to ginkgo. Tell us about your work in this area. Well, I've been very interested in Alzheimer's disease and, and actually brain aging for many years. I've been spending a lot of time in my career looking at mechanisms for why people actually don't get demented, what protects them from getting demented. And so along the way, I've been very interested in treatments or other pathways that might lead us to... Um, uh, not years to life, but life to years, as mm. the saying goes. Mm -hmm. So you recently published a review of the ginkgo research. What did you find? Well, actually, several years ago with a colleague of mine at OHSU, Dr. Barry Oaken, we, we reviewed the literature on this, the randomized controlled trials that had been performed. And there was a handful at that time that met reasonable criteria for um, well-conducted studies. And there was a suggestion, in fact, that maybe the, on balance, there might be some positive effect, but all the studies, I must say, had certain um, limitations. So realizing that and a growing interest in uh, alternative medicines, uh, particularly even the NIH, uh, which in the last decade uh, has established this, actually a national center for complementary and alternative medicine, we applied to the NIH to, to try to begin to do a study of ginkgo biloba as a preventative for dementia. So just to highlight, uh, we were really trying to set the stage for how this compound or extract, really, because it's not a pure drug, might prevent the onset of cognitive decline, not actually use it for people who already had manifest dementia or Alzheimer's disease. So in order to begin to do that, one of the great interests was to try to shorten the development cycle, if you will, because... Fortunately, as it turns out, for normal elderly, uh, the, the rate of developing cognitive impairment is not terribly high. That is, particularly if you're 65 or, or 70, um, you know, only maybe 1, one to 2% at most of a, of a population will develop cognitive impairment or dementia in any given year. So you can imagine if you wanted to look at individuals who would be prevented from progressing, you'd have to have thousands of individuals in order to change that very small conversion rate 
over time. And so one mechanism for trying to um, overcome that, if you will, low conversion rate for the purposes of proving that a treatment such as ginkgo might work as a preventative was to raise the age at, at which we followed people. So the incidence of dementia essentially doubles with each successive decade. And so by focusing on people 85 and older, we reasoned that we might actually be able to increase the rate of potential conversion to dementia within a grant cycle as funded by the NIH. So uh, with that sort of concept in mind, we designed what we called a proof-of-concept clinical trial for prevention and enrolled 100 and, well, 134 people who were randomized to a ginkgo treatment or a placebo. And then they were followed for 36 months to see, in fact, whether uh, we had more people who converted to the cognitive impaired group or not over that time period. So quite a long time, 36 months. Actually, it was 42 months. If I said, I said 32, it was actually 42 months. It was actually even longer. This was considered at the time um, truly proof of concept because many people would say, first of all, no one had ever done a clinical trial that was focused on the so-called oldest old, people 85 and older. And furthermore, could you actually consistently follow a group of people in that age group over 42 months? And so the first answer was, in fact, we definitely could, and we did, and we had very little dropout over that time period. Interestingly, one of the things that we found was that many of the older people that we approached to enter the trial would say things like, sure, we're happy to help. No one thinks we can do anything at our age. Mm. And then over time, they were very committed people to staying in the project if they were able to. And what's the downside of using ginkgo in terms of side effects? Well, as in any clinical trial, we were particularly uh, interested in monitoring for side effects. One of the most important side effects that has been around and publicized was a potential concern about bleeding risks or hemorrhagic side effects. And this is basically, I think, based on a number of uh, case reports that had appeared in the literature that were of concern, although collectively, if one looks at the clinical trials that had been done using ginkgo extracts over many years, I don't really think there ever been a real uh, excess of bleeding risks clearly found in those trials. Nevertheless, this was of great concern, and we took this very seriously. As it turned out in our trial, we had an excess of strokes. But these were not hemorrhagic or bleeding kinds of strokes. These were actually uh, ischemic strokes. There was, one, um, there was one hemorrhagic stroke, but all the others were uh, of the ischemic variety. And so we honestly don't know what to make of that. It was not an expected um, outcome, but it is something that we certainly, um, in the course of our studies, uh, observed and noted in our um, publication. If you're just joining us, you're listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Dr. Leslie Lunt, your host, and with me today is Dr. Jeffrey Kay. Dr. Kay's research program has focused over the past two decades on the question of why some individuals remain protected from dementia at advanced stages, while others succumb at much earlier times. We're discussing his research looking into ginkgo biloba and cognition. So, Dr. Kay, what did you find all told? Well, what we found was in what is the standard of analysis in randomized trials and intense treatment analysis, there was no reduced risk of progression to cognitive impairment, whether somebody had been randomized to ginkgo or not. However, the thing that was tantalizing about this trial, which was known to be underpowered to start with because it was a proof-of-concept trial, not a definitive trial, was that in a secondary analysis, when we 
controlled for the level of medication adherence among the group. That is, the number of people who had remembered to take their medicine properly based on the first six months of the trial. There was a significant difference. And this is, this is, I think, is an extremely important principle that shouldn't be lost in the sort of technical jargon of analysis of trials. And why I think this is very important is that all of the cognitive prevention trials that are ongoing or planned really need to take this into account prior to analyzing their data. So if you think about it, in a prevention trial for dementia, you basically are rolling people who are normal. You do not have a collateral informant, somebody who's following along with you, as you would have in a dementia trial. You have the person themselves reporting on how they're doing. They're also themselves reporting on how well they're taking medications. If their memory is declining as they progress through the trial, their ability to report their level of adherence to the medication regimen is going to be impaired progressively. If you don't take that into account in the analysis as the trial progresses, you can falsely believe that, in fact, there was no effect because the person is saying, oh, I'm fine, I'm taking all my medication, when, in fact, they aren't. The other thing that I think is very telling, again, not to get into the weeds of uh, statistical analysis, but this study only randomized 134 individuals, and actually 118 were actually uh, completed the, the study. And although statistically not significant, if you look at the number of people who converted to cognitive impairment, over the 42 months, who were taking Ginkgo, there were seven individuals. Among the placebo group, there were 14. So I think what that tells you is that technically there was a 50% reduction in the incidence of dementia, if you will, or cognitive impairment over the course of the study, but we didn't have the statistical power to really prove that. What this really helps us with, though, is that as a statistician, one can do the math, and in fact, we now know, based on this study, that one would need about 300 people in a similar trial to definitively prove or not whether this actually is a treatment that could prevent the rate of cognitive decline in the elderly. What do you currently recommend to your patients who are anxious to help their cognition? Well, it's a very difficult uh, science, I think. <laughs> if you're a strict interpretationalist, then you would say, based on this trial, there isn't definitive evidence. I think if you look out across all of the trials out there, there's some evidence to suggest that there's a positive effect. And I think that this is one of those areas where, based on the person's health, their financial situation, because people can actually spend hundreds of dollars on alternative medicines, one can suggest if, if you think this is something you want to do, it's probably reasonable. Although, uh, again, we feel obligated to say in this one study, we did find more strokes in the treatment group. Again, going back to the issue of statistical power, if we had one stroke in the placebo group, there would have been no statistically significant difference in the two groups. So, again, we're talking about issues where we're trying to give advice based on data that isn't definitive yet. I should say, and, and I think the listeners really need to know, that there are currently two very large or, or large studies that are powered in the hundreds that should give us a more definitive result. One is called the GEM study, which is being conducted in the United States. And the other is called the GEED AGE study, or G-U-I-D-A-G-E, which is a European study. And these are both randomized controlled trials. They are being done in younger patients or younger people. In one group, they're over 70. In the other, they're over 75. And there will potentially be some differences in the dosing. But at least we're very hopeful that these trials may give us some other 
direction as to how to advise our, uh, our patients. Well, hopefully we'll know more by the time I'm 70. Well, I, <laughs> I certainly uh, hope we all do. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Well, thanks for being on the show today. I really appreciate it. Thank you. We've been discussing the use of ginkgo biloba supplementation to possibly enhance cognition with Dr. Jeffrey Kay. I'm Dr. Leslie Lunt. You've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. To listen to our on-demand library, visit us at reachmd.com. If you register with the promo code RADIO, you can receive six months free internet streaming of the show for your home or office. If you have questions or comments, please call us at 888-MD-XM-157. Thank you for listening.